Hello, I'm AJ. And I'm Chris. It is Thursday, and this is Why Wait Till Sunday. Probably a top five college football DFS midweek show. All right. We are back for week two. Um, week one, you know, I felt like we, we made some good plays. I think we made some good decisions with the, with the glaring uh, exception of our smash of the week. Um, but otherwise, I actually thought we did pretty good. I didn't, you know, it's funny. We talk about these things on the show. We talk about them on Saturday morning. And then somehow... I still managed to like not put everybody in the right, you know, combination, uh, at least for tournament plays. Um, and I know you and me don't always even wind up with the same lineup. So how'd you do? I actually did pretty poorly on the main slate, but I did come back late slate and then uh, the the showdown on Monday. So not too terrible. Yeah, I I actually thought we did really well with saving value. I think where we. Um, I think our mistake was Eric Gray not being involved at all, apparently, in the Oklahoma offense, which is bizarre. What the heck was that, man? And then, um, you know, I actually came around on Bryce Young and played him a little bit, even though uh, we talked about we weren't super high on him. And but Sunday or Saturday morning when we talked, I I uh, had done some more research and I, I really liked him. So, but but I mean, a lot of our a lot of our cheap guys really did fairly well. Josh Kelly had a good game. Um, you know, I, I think that we, Blake Corum, who we brought up, had a smash oh. game. So we had a really, I think we did really well in terms of value savers. I think Eric Gray really sunk a couple of my lineups. And then, you know, I don't know what happened with the Oregon situation. I think we both played some Troy Franklin. We both played some Devin Williams and neither took a snap. So I don't yeah. really, both yeah. injured and but both suited up prior to the game. So. Right. And, you know, that is uh, that's the, the glory of, of college football DFS. Right. I mean, sometimes you don't get to know until after kickoff. I had a lot of Troy Franklin that sunk me on the main slate. Um, I actually came off Eric Gray. Uh, you know, and that's the thing is I believed him. We had him as our smash of the slate. You got to stay with us all the way up until kickoff. Things change. Um, and this is the, a quick turnaround because we want to get the info to you guys. But the slate just dropped last night uh, with prices. You know, both of us, unfortunately, do have day jobs. We we tried our best to be prepared, obviously, to record on Wednesday to get it out to you Thursday morning. But you have to understand, these things change. This is our first look. This is our first gut instinct. Um, stick with us either on Twitter. Follow us on Saturday morning. We'll talk about guys that we are, you know, higher on now than we were originally, lower on now than we were originally. So, while this is a nice foundational overview, it, things change between the time we record and Saturday, both, both on injuries and kind of unearthing new data, new information. So uh, I actually got off Eric Gray, fortunately. I think I had one lineup with him in it, but but uh, wasn't as as sold on him uh, as I originally was when we when we got real excited. So Without further ado, let's dive in to that week two slate. We've got some interesting games. Uh, I don't always know how they make these decisions, but um, let's walk you through it. Let's see. Ready to go. 
Uh oh, browser is having trouble sharing our video. Oh no. Well, I guess we can just talk about it and I'll edit this crap out. That's <laughs> a bump. Oh, because it's a movie. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll still have to edit this out, but it is. It's. Uh, hold on. Freaking A. Uh, I didn't convert it to an MP4 last night. God damn it. If you <clears throat> if you want, we can just talk through. If you have my spreadsheet, we can talk through the games that way. Yeah, we, yeah. We'll we'll be, you, it won't have the, the graphic up, obviously, but that's an option. Yeah, I'll just edit this because I think it would take uh, like 10 minutes. It takes yeah. so long because it's such a long thing. All right, we'll just, um, unfortunately. Okay. Um, and Steam. All right, so let's go through the games. We got the week two slate. Um, Chris, you you did this really nice spreadsheet for us. Uh, first one I've got listed here is Pitt at Tennessee. Uh, that is a point total of 53 with Tennessee as a 3.5 dog at home, which probably is appropriate. They are not very good. But that leaves an implied team total of Pittsburgh at 28, which is ninth on the slate. Tennessee at 25, which is 13th on the slate. I'm not sure there's a ton of um, high-end plays, but as we will go through later, I, I do kind of like a couple of values, um, at least on Pittsburgh. So um, that's first game. And take us through Oklahoma State-Tulsa. Yeah, this is an interesting game. Oklahoma State's favored by 17. The uh, the total seventh highest on the slate is 52 and a half. I don't think Tulsa's the worst team in the world, but I do think Oklahoma State is a lot better than them. I think we'll see a a fast-paced game for the most part, and I think that there's some value to be had, especially on the Oklahoma State side. But with a spread this large, there's um, there, there's a couple things to consider when we really talk through the play. So, but I am excited for this game. Well, yeah, and Tulsa, I believe, just lost to UC Davis, FCS UC Davis last week. So they may not be the worst team on the slate, but they uh, at least they weren't very good week one. So um, East Carolina travels to your neck of the woods or former neck of the woods um, in South Carolina is going to play at USC East. And the Pirates are two-point favorites heading into an SEC team. Now, I can't imagine the last time a G5 opponent headed into an SEC stadium as a favorite. That is pretty wild. But the point total is 54, meaning East Carolina has an implied total of 28 about, and South Carolina only 26. Uh, pretty evenly matched game, uh, 10th highest and 12th highest point totals on the slate. So right uh, around the midpoint there for both teams. Um, and that is certainly wild that East Carolina can go in after a loss, mind you, last week and still be a favorite at South Carolina. Ohio State, Oregon. I'll let you walk us through pretty much the marquee game on the slate, I would say. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's uh, got the highest point total at 63 and a half. And Ohio State is the highest, second highest implied team total at 39. They're 14 and a half favorites. Oregon's missing a lot of pieces. They're missing... It sounds like Kayvon Thibodeau isn't going to play. They're missing key assets in their secondary. Ohio State got off to a rough start last week. I think C.J. Stroud had the first game jitters, and I don't think Minnesota is an easy place to play in. But they are heavy favorites 
and Oregon is playing at 9 a.m. their time. So we'll see how this game shakes out, but I, I think there's a couple plays on Ohio State that have some nice value. Sure, sure. I agree with you there. Florida, another interesting one. Florida travels to Tampa to take on South Florida. You don't usually see Florida traveling to uh, lesser opponents like this. And after South Florida got eviscerated by NC State, I believe it was like 45 nothing in Raleigh. Florida comes in with the number one implied total on the slate of 42. The, to the point total on the entire game is 57, which ranked second highest on the slate, which kind of tells you something that a point total of 57 is the second highest on the slate for college football. That is a little unusual, unusually low for what we normally see. And then uh, to wrap it up, South Florida has one of the lowest implied totals on the slate with only 14.8. Uh, projected points so looking to be a massive massive blowout and so we will talk through what that uh, entails in the coming minutes here but Rutgers going to Syracuse Chris what's up there one of my other favorite teams I get to see Rutgers in South Carolina play this weekend so <laughs> what a, what a treat for everyone else but this uh this game is two teams who had a very successful week one Rutgers blew out Temple it wasn't even close. They scored 61 points, and Syracuse beat Ohio pretty handedly. I like this game because I think this game is going to be close. Um, these two teams are kind of middle of the pack in terms of their implied T total on the slate. The the overall total is 51.5. That's not super sexy, but it's going to be a close game, so I think that a lot of pieces are still going to get run, and a lot of players are going to still have usage. So I'm interested to see – who wins this game? I actually think Syracuse is gonna is gonna beat Rutgers, but I hope not. I'm a Rutgers fan. As <laughs> painful as that is to say. Man, learn something new every day. I did not know you're a Rutgers stan. Um yeah, Rutgers ran uh I guess your stats here on the sheet says 80 plays, which I don't think that's an average from last year. That's what they ran last week, right? Yep. So Granted, it was a complete blowout, but that's a lot of plays. 80 plays is a lot, so you got to like it if they're going to run fast uh, up in New Jersey. That is something to remember for fantasy goodness. Um, Notre Dame and Toledo. This has to be at Notre Dame, right? It's got to be. I think it is. Uh, at so. Notre Dame. Uh, not that it really matters, but it would be weird if they were traveling to Toledo. Um Total of 54, fifth highest on the slate, but Notre Dame, fifth highest single team point total at 35. Toledo way down the list, uh, only projected to score 18.8 points. Uh, not so great. I guess the question is, and we'll talk about it, I suppose, but you know, Notre Dame did not look sharp, especially on the defense side of the ball against FSU, giving up 35 points, I think it was. Um, and they're coming in on a short week, which in college rarely happens. But we are talking about a what wasn't it a Monday night game? I guess it was a Sunday night game, and now it's going to be a Saturday day game. So a little bit of a short week. Uh, I think that game is a little more interesting than than it, uh, at first glance. And Georgia UAB should be a blowout. What do you think? Should be a blowout. Georgia's twenty six and a half point favorites. And UAB's implied team total is only nine points. So <laughs> th this is going to be, I think, a beatdown. Georgia should have their way with them. Georgia's defense is top 
two, maybe number one in the country. And their offense, I think, should rebound nicely this week. So there's not much to say except I'm so sorry for UAB fans. Well, if they score nine, they will have done better than Clemson. Um, California going to TCU, I believe. Yes. Um, And this is a game that uh, California is projected to win pretty handedly. Uh, Sorry, I messed up the spread here. It's it's TCU's favorite 11 and a half. Oh, okay. So, yes, that makes more sense. TCU at home favored by uh, now. I think it started at maybe nine and a half. Now it's at 11 and a half. So the point total is uh, 48, meaning uh, Texas Christian. That would be, do some quick math in my head, uh, about 35 total points. And uh, California only down uh, like at, at 17, 18 total points. So uh, TCU certainly would be the team to kind of look at here. Um, California coming in at one of the lowest uh, projected point totals on the night or on the, on the day. Texas A&M travels to boulder colorado in an interesting one uh out of conference away game you don't see that very often what do you got for the buffaloes and aggies the the aggies should be should do great this game uh they're 17 and a half point favorite the spread is only 51 and a half that's kind of a theme this week there's there are not a lot of team totals that are particularly high and i don't I think you mentioned earlier, I don't know how they're choosing these games, but we do not have a lot of interesting games on the slate either. But, you know, Colorado had a good week last week. They ran the ball a ton. It was Brandon Lewis's debut, but Jerry Broussard, Ashad Clayton, a lot of those a lot of those guys got run. I think Texas A&M is just a much better team, and I think that there's some value on A&M that we can, that we can capture for our uh, lineups this week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the talent differential there is is massive. Uh, I don't think home field can overcome it. Um, Ball State goes to Happy Valley to play Penn State. That point total is 55.5, which actually is the third highest on the slate. So don't gloss over Penn State, Ball State. Um, but really, the bulk of that work is Penn State projected to score 38 points as 22-point favorites. So, again... The theme is blowout city this week, and Penn State is uh, interestingly enough favored to score some of the most points on the slate. Where Ball State comes in near the very bottom against Penn State's good defense. Uh, you know, we saw them kind of uh, make mincemeat of Graham Mertz and Wisconsin last week. The only question would be, are they going to be a little bit, you know, hungover, uh, kind of a letdown game type thing? And Ball State has a good offense. Uh, they have a very good offense for considering for the Mac. Uh, do they have a good offense uh, up against a Big Ten quality defense? I don't know, but but it is a good offense with a decent like sixth year senior veteran quarterback. Um, but uh, yeah, they're not not projected to score very many points. Speaking of defense, talk to me about Iowa State and Iowa. Yeah, this should be a defensive throwdown with two of the country's probably better defensive teams. Iowa just demolished Indiana last week, and that game was supposed to be close. Mm-hmm. I uh, I think Iowa really showed their potential as a team, and while Indiana State or Indiana State Iowa State's favored in this game by uh, three and a half, I think Iowa might win outright. I think Iowa State had a whole left a lot on the table last week versus um, Northern Illinois, and I, I think that they are reeling and while this 
this uh, game total is 45, which is the second lowest on the slate. There are a couple plays here, but again, this is going to be a defensive slugfest. Yeah, absolutely. I think for fantasy purposes, I kind of think Iowa games are going to just be uh, uninteresting um, for, you know, for the majority of the season. I think that gets us through all 12 games, uh, unless unless I missed one. Not that I counted. Okay. All right, so that's the slate. Uh, the story is defense. The story is, um, you know, not a lot of games where you just, you know, you want everybody in the whole game. So I think stacks probably don't have to happen this week. Um and just kind of giving a broad overview, I don't know if, if you've thought about it, but it looks like, you know, touchdowns as are always at a premium. But honestly, if you get a guy who scores two or three touchdowns, he may lead the entire uh, week in scoring uh, at even maybe two touchdowns. Uh, obviously, three touchdowns are always in the running to lead the week in scoring. But you may not have a lot of like double, triple dongs uh, in this slate. No, I agree with that. There's a lot of... Uh... There's a lot of low point totals this week. Right. Okay. So um, I want to go over the positions, of course. Um, now, quarterbacks. I have looked at this slate, and there's not – there's just not a lot of quarterbacks that I'm very interested in uh, in rostering. Start at the top and tell me what you think. I agree with that. I was struggling to figure out who I wanted to put in my lineup as we get quarterback. I can't justify Emory Jones. I, I have no idea what that split with Richardson looks like. And at 9,000, that's just, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Jack Cohen, I think is fine. 8,900. He doesn't have rushing upside. Mm-hmm. And I th- I really don't expect another uh, like high scoring game like last four? week. I think he had like four touchdowns. Which yeah, is he had like three thirty and four. I cannot, that's just not repeatable for Jack Cohn. Knowing right. who Jack Cohn is, right? I don't, I don't foresee that happening again. I just the top two guys I think are just too pricey. Then we got Max Dugan, who is the, up there because of his rushing, but he's only hit a three hundred yard bonus once in twenty three games, and he's thrown for more than one touchdown in seven of those twenty three games. With with them being such heavy favorites at eleven. 11 and a half. I just don't see how he can pay off at that, that price point. And that those top three are just, I have no interest in really. Yeah. I mean, I've rostered Dugan before. Um, I know one time I had to, you know, he bailed me out with like an 80 yard run in the fourth quarter, you know, for a touchdown. So Dugan's a guy that you definitely are hoping for the rushing upside. He can, he can run two in, he can have 60 yards on the ground plus two touchdowns. I mean, that's 18 points by itself. But yeah, I mean, he he's almost guaranteed to not hit the passing bonus. Uh, rushing bonus may be difficult to get. You're going to hope for a lot of touchdowns, which he can. I mean, he can he can get in three times for sure. But um, I agree with you there. Uh, the next two. So I did something last week for Saturday morning, and I'll probably do it again because um, quick shout out to Prize Picks. So this is an app. If you are listening to this podcast and you have not checked out prize picks, uh, you really need to do it. It is essentially um, daily fantasy with with stat totals and point totals, uh, fantasy point totals. So they do have individual players 
And for our purposes, they do have college players. So, for instance, you can bet on over under Brees Hall 103 yards or whatever uh, you choose. I mean, rushing yards, passing yards, interceptions, touchdowns, blah, 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 all that stuff. However, I do that. You do that. We like prize picks. But additionally, I can use it for kind of, a, you know, uh, an impartial baseline as to what the expectation for for yardage totals might be and what i did last week was was divide that by their salary on DraftKings, um just to kind of get an idea of like where's where's the value i mean DraftKings projected points is one thing but this is a, another independent agency that is putting out lines for point totals or for yard totals um so what i found is um you know you said the top three not very interesting i agree with you you have to kind of go down to um, Kenny Pickett, I think, is fourth or fifth on the list. He's Pittsburgh's quarterback. And he comes in among the quarterbacks that had a yardage total on prize picks. He was the fifth best, uh, basically, passing yards per dollar spent for um, the quarterbacks here. So he's kind of interesting, 8,500. Uh, I'm not scared of the Tennessee defense. And... Um, you know, Pittsburgh's got some interesting weapons. Addison is good. Um, and they, they threw a lot, granted, against a cupcake last week. So I don't know where you stand on Kenny Pickett. I think he probably doesn't have 300-yard upside. Probably. Um, it's not impossible. He's done it before. But I wouldn't bet on that. So that makes 8,500 a little hard to stomach. But in a week where there's just not a lot of quarterback action, I don't know. He's kind of in play for me. Maybe stack with Addison or something. Yeah, he's fine. I probably won't play him. C.J. Stroud is 100 more, and I would much rather play C.J. Stroud. It's not even close. I, I think C.J. Stroud has a good chance to hit the 300-yard bonus. And the 300-yard bonus, for those who like aren't super familiar with scoring for DraftKings College, is when a quarterback hits 300 yards passing, a running back hits 100 yards rushing, or a wide receiver hits 100 yards receiving, they get an extra three points on top of that as the – 100 yard, 300 yard bonus. So that's like 30 extra yards, three extra receptions, however you want to break it down, which really matters in these high scoring contests. So when we talk about the bonuses, that's the context for these numbers. So I think Stroud has a good chance to hitting that bonus. He struggled a little bit last week. I think it, a lot of it was nerves, but they just did just give up 298 yards to Hayner. And I, I kind of like Hayner, but I think Stroud's probably a better quarterback and he probably has better options. And that secondary is still missing key pieces. So I think Stroud is probably my favorite high-priced quarterback this week yeah yeah no I, I agree with you and when we talk about the receivers i think there's a stack potential there for ohio state for sure um you know then we got anthony richardson he's gonna like split time with uh with with emory jones haynes king was bad against kent state i don't i mean colorado's not scary but he was bad against penn state um sean clifford does not really pop in any particular way he was not overly impressive last week against wisconsin but now we get ball state and he didn't pop in terms of the price per uh per passing yard but he's going to give you some stuff on the ground so it's not just a passer you talked about him a little last week kind of liked him a little bit uh do you like him more against ball state i mean he's coming in at 8100 so not super cheap uh, yeah he's uh, not really. I think they're just going to run again. And I know that he has rushing ability, which keeps is probably the reason that he's priced up. 
But there are guys that I like that are cheaper than him that I think have similar floors and a much higher ceiling. Okay. All right. Let me just highlight a couple of guys that did pop for me. One is uh, Holton Allers. Uh, yeah. Eastern Carolina going up against your Gamecocks. But he's just so cheap, 7,100. And according to prize picks, he is actually the best point per pass yard value on the slate. He won't give you a lot on the ground. So you do, you know, you're, you are counting on the, um, on those uh, passing yards, but I think 300 yards is in play for him. He's and- he, he's hit the bonus um, yeah. seven of 21 games that he's he's played, and he's barely missed the bonus in two of those ga- two of those games, hitting like 295 and 296. So, I mean, he absolutely has 300 yard potential, and that's the kind of South Carolina secondary lost Israel Israel Mukwamu, who is yeah, he's fairly good safety. Hey, if he can get drafted in fourth round. And they also lost J.C. Horn, who was the top shutdown corner in the draft. So I like him this week as well. I, I think he could put up some points on, on the Gamecocks defense. I think the strength of that defense is really the front seven. And I think he could probably exploit some of our our weaker corners. So I like Allers a lot as well. He's probably my favorite per dollar play on the slate uh, yeah. among quarterbacks. No, I agree with you. And he, he popped for the – I mean, the prize picks line agrees with that. Um, the other one I wanted to bring up was, I just, yeah, I probably can't do it. Um, you know, maybe it's a guy to bet under on prize picks, but prize picks kind of like Brock Purdy, Iowa State (laughs) playing Iowa. Um, he is priced way down on this slate at 6,200, which is really low for like a quarterback on a good offense, but it is Iowa. So probably not great. What do you? Yeah, I will, I will, you can't play anyone against Iowa, I guess. But I will not play Brock Purdy on any lineup whatsoever. I'm not playing Brock Purdy. That is a zero. The you one first. cheap quarterback that I will play is Carter Bradley at Toledo. I think. Yes, gonna, sir. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have an okay week. No, you know Notre Dame's defense secondary is good, right? We saw Kyle Hamilton this week. He's a phenomenal player. I so. Let me let me preface this with he's only 5,700 for a reason, right? But I think he has 300 yard potential. He was extremely efficient last week, but he's so cheap that he can pay off a lot and really save you value to get up elsewhere. I really like Carter Bradley, and I don't think Toledo is that bad of a team. I think Toledo is one of the better G5 teams out there. And I think Bradley could, I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the question that he may be like, is like three and a half to four X. So he scores between like 16 and maybe 23 points. But if that at 5,700, you're going to be hard pressed to find a better value than that. Even that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, he was, he's already in one of my very first lineups that I was messing around with today. He just fit at the end there. Um, and I, I was like, well, he's a starting quarterback. So I looked a little bit into, into him a little bit more. And like you said, yeah, very efficient last year. He was efficient as well. Uh, incredibly. I mean, last week it was Norfolk state. So let's take with a grain of salt, but yes, absolutely. On a, on a pass, you know, yards per attempt type situation. Very good. Doesn't run a lot. The other problem for Toledo is they have this backup QB. They really like, and he is a runner. And so they put him in for some packages, uh, some different things like that. They messed around with him in, uh, against Norfolk. He had a good little game. I actually wish he was the starter and we could just say, hey, he's a dual threat. 
blah, blah, blah. But it's going to be a package situation. So he may vulture a short yardage touchdown with a run or something like that. But I think ultimately you're right. He's so cheap, Carter Bradley, that, you know, he can lose a series or two and it may not matter too much. Um, I'm with you there. The other guy you can consider. And you may need to because I do think we're going to be paying up for some teams and not messing around with like the middle tier very much. But Brandon Lewis is 5,900 and simply because he runs. Uh, He has a very cheap quarterback who runs um, and can give you 60 yards, maybe get in the zone on the ground. That would be 12 points Uh, against a good Texas A&M defense. It's it's hold your nose and do it. But, you know, I think between Bradley and Brandon Lewis, you have some choices there for very cheap quarterbacks that um, that can pay off. Uh, and, and and we're going to need them. We're going to need those quarterbacks because a lot of the mid range guys, like we said, I mean, I was throwing out names and you're just like puking all over the place. So um, <laughs> it's not the, the mid range is just like not that interesting uh, outside of uh, Holton Ehlers. Yes, I agree. So, I agree with that. I don't like Brandon Lewis as much as you do, but I understand the process to get there right no i don't love him i won't i don't love him but he's a running quarterback at under 6k i mean you know crazier things um okay running backs obviously we have well a major letdown from last week Brees hall comes in again at a one thousand dollar reduction off his 9k price last week and going against iowa is he out is he out is everyone out versus iowa I don't know. I, that, I that, that sigh, sigh kind of sums up how I feel about playing him this week. So he had 27 total opportunities last week, which I, I'm defining as rushes plus targets. Mm-hmm. 27. That's, That's a lot of a player of Brees Hall's caliber, right? Yep. We think Brees Hall's as good as he is. I mean, he could probably score against Iowa. He could put up 100 yards against Iowa. I don't think that's totally out of the question. I think it's a question of ceiling with him. But I will say I will be playing him because I think that he'll be contrarian. And so I'm not going to go out of my way to play him. But I'll, I'll plug him in here and there where I have some savings left over because I know that he's basically like a 25-touch lock. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to say about a lot of running backs on this slate. It is. No, I think that's a great process. I think he will be contrarian because the initial gut reaction is, oh, it's Iowa. I'm not paying the most expensive price on the slate for Iowa, for an, uh, you know, a, a team going up against Iowa. But you're right. The volume is there. And you know what? The best players are you know, the best for a reason. And, and he really is one of the best running backs in the country. Um, a lot of people think he's going to walk into an NFL team next year and, and probably start as a rookie running back. So you're telling me the guy, if he's that good, he can't get past Iowa, who's a good defense. Don't get me wrong. It's still college defense. I mean, if he's that good, people are projecting him to potentially be back into the first round NFL draft pick. Like, I think he could handle even a good college defense. So if he's really that good, maybe it is worth the contrarian move. Um, you know, he should be matchup independent. I don't know what the hell happened last week against Northern Iowa. I mean, they very good chance there was a look ahead situation to Iowa. Um, I don't know. That was that was wild to me. Um, Zamir White versus UAB. Man, I know it was rough sledding last week against Clemson, but like they just they're gonna give three guys eight carries. I mean, that that's how they're gonna run it at Georgia, it seems. I, I do not see any way. Zamir White gets even like 18 carries. And he's not so, going to catch any passes. 
Yeah, I I don't know. I don't necessarily love Zero White this week, mostly because I think they're cheaper options that are better. Yeah. But I don't think 101 is out of the question for him, at, like, at all. But I don't think at his price, that's enough to pay off either. Exactly. And so I, yeah. I, I think he has a very solid floor, but I don't think he has a monster ceiling. James Cook is probably going to score a touchdown. Dino Mill is probably going to score a touchdown. And Kenny McIntosh might score a touchdown. I, yeah. I like Zamir White, and I think he's playable in like weekly leagues. I, I just can't justify him this week in, in my lineup, even though it's a great matchup. I don't know what the split's going to look like. I bet he's pulled early if they they go up like we think they will. Yeah. Oh no, that's that's almost a certainty. Um, then we got Kevin Harris who didn't even play last week. I don't think. Uh, I'm I'm not touching him till. I mean, I love Kevin Harris, but I'm not touching him until he shows that he's freaking healthy. I mean, who knows? Um, let's see. I want to go down each player up until I think Goodson. So, um, uh, Kyron Williams, I think he's probably a great play against Toledo. Um, you know, if we're saying Toledo's kind of good, uh, maybe this isn't as big of a blowout as it may seem. Um, again, Notre Dame on a short week, that's unusual for a college team. And so uh, potentially, you know, coming off a huge, huge, huge game, uh, national spotlight game. I mean, I could see this being a little bit of a letdown game for Notre Dame. Maybe Toledo has a little more success than we otherwise would have thought. So, so that means Kyron Williams, you know, plays the whole game. and doesn't get pulled in third quarter. He's going to catch passes. His over-under receptions, which I did bet the under because I'll take any running back under 3.5 receptions just because a running back catching four passes is like always, you know, unusual to me, but um, yeah, his over under receptions is 3.5. So that's pretty good in a PPR scoring. I'm talking too much. What do you think about Kyron? No, I like Kyron. He had 24 total opportunities last week. He actually had 30 routes run, which was really impressive out of and six targets, which is really impressive for a running back. So he should be heavily involved. And I think he's more than palatable at his price. For the next two guys, I don't like either. I'm just like, I, I, I won't play my Williams. It's a split backfield, even though Oregon's yeah, like, yeah. defense rush defense leaves some to be desired because they're probably missing Kayvon Thibodeau. And I won't play Tyre Goodson because it's a tough matchup, like a really tough matchup. And Is Iowa State really good defensively? I guess I didn't really. They're probably top 30. Um, okay. And I think their rush unit's pretty good. So I I just like more. Like, it, like, I don't even dislike Tyler Goodson. I don't really like him in this matchup all that much. But they're just better guys that are a couple hundred dollars cheaper that I that I prefer over goods and that I think have probably similar forward, probably higher ceilings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I agree with you. I mean, if I kind of was interested in Goodson, but yeah, I mean, if Iowa State's defense is better than I realized, uh, maybe I haven't done enough research there. All right. Let's talk about Isaiah Spiller. Um what is he doing at what 6,800? How is that possible? Or 6,700? What's just, what's <laughs> going on there? Who, whoever, um, whoever, whoever did the pricing this week saw that he split carries evenly with uh Devin Achain and was like, All right, nope, I Spiller's got a low, low ceiling. He, I, I love him. Like, I don't think that we need to talk much about him just because I think he's going to be heavily used and I'm not worried about the split with Achain because I think that they're such heavy favorites that. He'll just get like he'll just get usage. I'm not like I think he can go for 120 and a touchdown. Like he didn't have a touchdown last week, and I think that was Maybe. surprising. He still managed 18 points. 
Yeah, no, I, I think there's no reason not to play Isaiah. Almost, I mean, 100% Isaiah Spiller. I, I like that it's away. I like that it's at Colorado. I mean, I think they're, you know, like like we've talked about before. Okay, they may blow them out, but but if they they're not going to pull starters until it's like 35 nothing. So if they score five touchdowns, I mean, Spiller's going to get one, uh, maybe two of those. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. You know, I'm not worried about pulling him in the fourth quarter or something like that on on especially on a slate. So keep this in mind too. We've talked about this, especially on a slate that may not have, you know, 40 burgers, 50 burgers from certain players, or you know, those games that just smash where it's like 62 to 61, you know, smorgasbord. Isaiah Spiller at this discount, he's got a floor and a ceiling. I think he's a great play given this slate as well. If you can lock in even 80 yards and two touchdowns, something like that, it's a great play. And he's not even priced up. So, I, I mean, you know, 100% Isaiah Spiller to me. Yeah, he's only, um, quick mental math, 800 more than Devin Achain. And I think that's egregious. Like, I think he's going to have way more usage than Achain. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And we can't really probably tell a lot from the usage against Kent State. Um, I guess you could you could really try to break it down like first half usage or something like that. But that game was I mean, they weren't worried about Kent State. Um, okay, man, there's a lot of running backs to talk about. We're gonna have to speed it up a touch. Um, <laughs> a guy that I'm I didn't really know anything about Keaton Mitchell for ECU had a huge game in week one. Uh, I think four carries for 50 yards and five receptions for I don't even know how many yards, but he had he had at least one touchdown. He had uh, five receptions for 79 yards and a touch. So that's only nine touches, Chris, but scored a lot of fantasy points and comes in at 6,600 against your Gamecocks. Um, People also really liked um, their other running back, Harris. I think it's Rajai Harris. Uh, who comes in at 5,500. Talk to me about the ECU running backs against South Carolina. Harris actually outtouched Mitchell, and I, I uh, actually prefer him this week because of it. I, I think that um, he did run 16 routes, and he only had one fewer target. So I still like Roger Harris. I don't like either because they're, they're going to cannibalize each other's touches, so I don't think there's really a path to a big ceiling for Mitchell. I And I think that, again, like there are cheaper running backs, I just prefer that mm-hmm. <laughs> that than him on on the slate. And I, I think a guy a guy like Bryant Kobach, who is priced one hundred dollars cheaper than him, is one of my favorite plays on the slate. And I, Ooh, I, I think tell me more, tell me more, because it's Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, their so, defense is supposed to be good. We saw what Deshaun Corbin did last week, so that's part of it. But last season. In four or six games, Kobach had more than 25 touches. And he had over 20 touches all but one, so five of six games. He averaged four receptions last season per game. And in both losses where they were playing catch-up, he had seven receptions each. Kobach is a workhorse for that Toledo team. And he's a good player, too. I like Brian Kobach. Their rushing defense is a question. I I think he's in play at 6,500. He's going to have like 20 to 25 touches. Yep. Volume trumps everything, and, yes. and he's going to have it for sure. Um, dude, man, there's there's a lot of – there's just so many guys that are interesting. Talk to me about 
any of your guys that you like under 6K. So get me down into the fives. Do you have any highlighted under 6K that you like? Um, this is cheating, but I want to bring him up because I think it's important. I'm still playing Noah Kane this week, and he's 6,400, but mm-hmm. I like him more than anybody in 6K range. 88% of the team's rushing attempts, five receptions, six targets on 23 routes run. He is the – nobody's talking about this, but he's the workhorse at Penn State right now, yeah. and they are 22-point favorites against Ball State. So I'd be remiss if I did mention, mention him. Man, um, that's great. You know, he – he slipped my gaze, and that's a great call. I mean, he was eight for 48, six yard care, six yard average last week against Wisconsin. So it's not like he was terrible. He just didn't have the volume. Did score a touchdown. Do you know how many receptions he had off the top of your head? He had five, and he ran 23. Five, five receptions. This is yeah. a great call, Chris. Very nice. I really, I really like no game. Yeah. I also, I also really like LD Brown who had 18 total opportunities. He ran 23 routes, um, 15 rush attempts. He's the workhorse there too. Um, and then I'm interested in both Florida running backs, Damian Pierce, Malik Davis, just because it's such a good matchup. I prefer Davis because he's a little cheaper, but I think both will get run. And then I'll go all the way down to Zach Evans, who I know you like a lot. Well. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's I a like- risk, right? But he's sure. the, probably the best play player in the, the, TCU backfield and they're 11 and a half point favorites. So you were taking a, I think a big risk with him, but I think he'll come in at very low roster ship. And I do think he's the most talented player there. And I think he can get some run in a blowout. I, I think that they might try to play him this week. So I have a little bit interested in, in Zach Evans. And I, I know you like him a little bit more than I do, but well, I still think he's an option. I like him because, okay. So I'm not going to play him in a double up or a triple up. Uh, I may not even play him. And sometimes I throw out a couple quintuple ups, you know, just kind of mix it around to a, a little bit better odds than the, those big tournaments. But um, he is a, a beautiful tournament play, I think, because, you know, he only needs one run. He, he can go 75 yards for a touchdown. He has a tremendous long speed um, at 4,600. And, you know, we don't really know what Texas Christian's going to do any given week. He was like suspended last week, but they still gave him some run in the second half. He scored a touchdown. He is, like you said, the best talent uh, on that team. And if he's back in the coach's good graces, you know, I don't, I don't think we have to assume he's not going to play. He could easily come out of nowhere with 15 touches at 4,600 with long speed. So I think he's a tremendous tournament play. Don't play him in your cash games though. That would just be kind of taking unnecessary risk. But yeah, I mean, I like Evans just because I think about tournaments a lot. And I mean, he's just like your quintessential tournament play. Yep. Um, he he and uh, Kendall Mitlin for 3,200. Those those are my two very bottom of the barrel plays to save value. I think that they both could pay off in a big way. You think Milton just because of a blowout and he'll get you yep. know, 10 to 15 carries? Yep. And he's 3,200. So you're so close to the mid that all he really needs is to fall in the end zone and maybe get 40 yards in your... Yep. Like three X in that. That's true. Okay. Uh, I think we've covered running backs. I mean, you know, we do have to move on, but stay tuned for Twitter. Stay tuned for Saturday morning. We will talk about other players too, because there's bound to be some guys that come up for us. Um, Wide receivers. Uh, Top of the list is Jordan Addison, who is definitely the alpha. I think at Pitt, although there's another guy we're interested in at Pitt this week, but it's against Tennessee. They are, effing terrible um speaking of which 
honestly, there's three running backs listed on the depth chart at Pitt, and I would take a stab at any. I mean, I don't know who's better, um, but just going back to running backs, you know, I'd throw a Pitt running back if they fit the rest of my construction yeah. and just hope for the best. Yeah, Abanaconda is only 4,300, and he was the buzz through camp. So, yeah, maybe. Okay, so, but yeah, we're talking about receivers now. So, um, yeah, uh, Jordan Addison. You know, he's a volume guy. He catches a lot of passes. I'm not sure he's got, like, the tremendous ceiling that you might be hoping for, but uh, 7,700, I don't know. He's just not super inspiring. Well, he's a very good player. Um, but you know what? Let's cut the crap. Ohio State receivers. <laughs> what are they doing at DraftKings? I don't know. Garrett Wilson at 5,900. Just – egregious feeling he's the smash of the slate of course stealing. he's literally he's like that price is stealing yeah he out targeted chris olave like yes olave had the big game but he had 11 targets to olave's eight like gary wilson had a phenomenal game he's in almost everyone in lineups and i think he'll probably be in almost everybody else's lineup also but come on like he's a perfect stack candidate with with stroud uh olave 7200 i don't mind playing him either i mean i'd rather play him than Anaya Smith, who's 7,600, and Michael Mayer. I just can't play 7,400 for a tight end. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. I love, and I am the biggest Michael Mayer fan that I know. And I just, I just can't. Yeah, he's honestly. great. He's great. But 5,900 is absolutely insane for Garrett Wilson. Uh, I, I have no idea how they came up with that number unless, I mean, I, I have not done this level of research, but unless like Ohio or Oregon has some kind of shutdown corner I'm not aware of and they expect him to shadow Garrett Wilson the entire game. Otherwise, you know, outside of that scenario, I don't see any world where Garrett Wilson. I mean, to me, Isaiah Spiller and Garrett Wilson should be in like every single lineup. I don't care what what type of contest you're playing. Isaiah Wilson, uh, Spiller and Garrett Wilson. I mean, it just makes no sense. Yeah, I like I like both a lot. I don't think you can afford to fade either one. And uh, I mean, they'll probably be chalky, but. You got to do it. I also like Alave for what it's worth. I did the prize picks thing where I did, you know, dollar per receiving yard uh, for the line on prize picks. And of course, Wilson was number one, but Alave was number two. So I think relative to, you know, his line on prize picks is like 97 yards, which is one of the highest ones out there for receiving yards. Um, I think he's a great play as well. Uh, speaking of which, you know, kind of um, what's his name? Uh, the quarterback. Of course, um, CJ Stroud. Oh, CJ Stroud. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's a, that's a stack you can do, and um, Stroud, and then both receivers. Uh, you may have to get creative elsewhere, but like, I think that's a pretty good play. Um, so yeah, I like both Ohio State guys at the high end. Uh, you're right, Mayer's too high. I mean, Dotson, Dotson versus Ball State. I like, I like Dotson. Um, yeah. I'm willing, I'm willing to play him. I think that he has huge upside every week, right? He can just get behind the defense, but you know, I, I think that one, this is a slate where you can afford to not spend your whole budget. And two, I think this is a slate where you can spend down in other areas to get a Dotson in, even though he's generally somebody I would stay away from. I think that he's in play on this slate. Yeah. Yeah. I generally would stay away from Dotson as well, but I think, you know, against ball state, 7,000, but let's just skip down to the other Penn state wide receiver who makes it to our bargain bin. And that's Parker Washington coming all the way down at 4k. And last year he was 
basically on par in terms of our market share with Dotson, correct me if I'm wrong, as a true freshman. And I know he caught at least one long pass this past week. Um, but against Ball State, I really like this play at 4K. I'm going to have a whole lot of Parker Washington, I think. Yep, I like Parker Washington. I think he's a nice price. The only, the only concern that I have is that Keandre Lambert-Smith, who's 3,900, ran more routes. But Parker was targeted a lot more, and I just think he's a better player. Like, I'm not really particularly worried about that. I just think that was a um, product of game script more than anything. So I, I really like Parker Washington. Yeah, and Parker Washington, in a lot of ways last year, was a bit of a volume guy, too. I mean, he was catching a high volume of passes in addition to uh, just, you know, the market share of yards and everything like that. So at 4K, I really like it. Uh, I feel more comfortable with him than Lambert Smith. I honestly am not familiar with Lambert Smith on a general prospect um, level. Uh, I mean, he was kind of non-existent last year, right? So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know too much about him. Uh, I would go Parker Washington myself. And then we've got the ECU receivers. I think we like we like Holton Ehlers, so I think we have to talk about ECU receivers. They were weird last week um, against App State. You know, Tyler Sneed's usually their high volume guy. Um, he was like four for forty seven. CJ Johnson, I think, had a touchdown, but otherwise, he's a low volume guy, at least according to last year. So, do you have a do you have a personal bead on ECU receivers? Yeah, I'd rather play Tyler Sneed for sure. I, that's not really that's not really close for me. I, I think that he's a much better play. I I don't think CJ Johnson is particularly good for what it's really he did. It was bad last year, so I yeah. I'm not really playing him. I think he, I know he's the second target there, but uh, Tyler Sneed is really the preferred stack with um with him. Yeah. And then a, a very cheap guy, G G Jesse Hatfield, J S I is his first name. Um, he had uh three for 51 he was kind of the third guy on the list last week um not necessarily a starter on the depth chart but he's 3500 and i just think this game is going to have some sneaky fantasy goodness especially i don't think i mean you're the south carolina expert <laughs> that defense isn't good right i mean it's they're okay. just not they're not a great team altogether it, I mean, we know it's the like offense. top 60 so take that for what what you want but yeah there could be sneaky value like a guy like shane calhoun who um is their tight end but he ran 16 routes last week yeah you know he's he's men at, at 3000 so i don't think it that's crazy yeah uh okay so uh any other receivers i didn't talk about that you want to touch on um i'll i'll do a quick rapid fire of my favorites how's Go that yes so i think uh kevin austin jr is in play he had a good game last week i think bo melton is always in play with Rutgers. Mm. uh quentin johnston He's only 5,100 at TCU's heavy favorite. So I think that he, you know, he had eight targets. I like him. Um, Tazir Mack at Pitt. Uh, he actually ran uh, 38 routes last week. And he's an $800 savings over um, Jared Wayne. And so I think that that's an interesting play. Aaron Crookshank at Rutgers, 4,400. Led the team with seven targets over Bo Melton. Sam Laporta, a highlight of last week. He's a focal point in the passing game. He's only 4,300. I like him. Uh, if I'm stacking Carter Bradley with somebody, I prefer Isaiah Winstead. He was a leading receiver on Toledo last year, and he was only 4,200. I like him as well. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the best values, I think, is among this receiver group is Johannes Tyler at Ball State. Again, they're playing Penn State. He still had eight targets, and he was very productive last season. Justin Hall's priced way up. I'm avoiding him. Tyler's the one if you're going to have, like, maybe Noah Kane and have Tyler on the other side. I think that's interesting. Um, 
And then the really the last one that I think we both like is Lucas Kroll at Pitt. Oh, I gotta find it. bargain bin. <laughs> yeah, he uh he ran 31 routes and had five targets for for the Panthers last week. And I think he could come back and have another nice game this week. I, I think that he I'd rather play him than Jordan Addison, for example. I actually rather play both secondary options, um in, including um Tazir Mack, who I brought up earlier. So I think they're both in play, but 3,700 for five targets and, and running 31 routes. I mean, he led the team in routes run last week. I, I really liked his year to uh, Lucas crawl. So I think that's interesting. And then the last one that I'll, I will highlight, which I don't think anyone's going to play him this week is Chris, Chris Hudson, who is the Oregon wide receiver and led the team in snaps and now snap both Pittman and Johnny Johnson He had one target, but he's on the field a lot and they will be down against the Ohio state team. So he's 3,200. He's like real, you're digging real deep. You're digging through the trash and, and you find like a wrapper and it could be, it's real shiny. It could be diamond or it could just be have gum in it. So that's, that's Chris Hudson this week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, back to crawl. Uh, if you're not familiar with him, so he's had a very interesting college career. He originally was a pitcher. He played baseball for someone I can't actually remember. Then he transferred to UF so I'm fairly familiar with him because that's my team I follow very closely. Um, played tight end for us for like a week, a year or something. But Kyle Pitts was there, so he transferred away. Now he's at Pitt. But he is a big, freaky, athletic type guy. So, um, you know, the fact that Pitt would, would like kind of feature him in the passing game uh, to pair actually very well with the smaller, shiftier, more of a kind of a slot-ish guy in Jordan Addison, whereas Kroll can be like the big, uh, you know, bully receiver type. But he's a big athletic guy, and, and it makes sense that he would be good as a receiver. So for fantasy purposes, it's interesting. He's not your typical, you know, inline, uh, you know, high blocking percentage uh, tight end. He is, he is an athletic freak. I love it at 3,700. I mean, I just love it. I, I already said I kind of like Pickett, although you did talk me off him a little bit. But if you did go Pickett, I think stacking with Crawl or obviously just naked Crawl, which we all want to see in our lineups this weekend, of course. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that kind of does it for the overview, you know, but, but please follow us. The, like I said, these things change. We get injury information or we just uncover a stat or, you know, we're going to be doing our betting show next. We're going to be writing articles. And as we intake more information, we do change some of the opinions um, and, and come off of guys and, and, and change our, our stances. So check in Saturday morning. I won't be there. I do have an anniversary date with my wife this weekend, but Chris will be there. Will will be there, and uh, we may have some other special guests for you. So Saturday morning, live show called The Tailgate. Check out Chris's written article. It's going to drop uh, tomorrow for the full slate write-up, so you can see everything we talked about in, in written form. Um, and, you know, stick with us. We're going to keep pumping it out. This is a wrap for week two, though. I hope you have a great evening, Chris. You as well. Let's win some money. All right, let's do it.